We are back. KCWG, the truth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, you know we have been absolutely gripped with these international stories involving George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ray Sharp, Brooks, and others. Sadly, the saga goes on and on. And uh, most recently in Los Angeles, we have Andres Guardardo uh, from Gardena. Uh, it, it's been a lot. It's been extremely heavy. And many of us are going to be returning to work if we haven't already or to our respective places where we devote a considerable amount of our livelihood to. And uh, we're going to be surrounded by people who may or may not be sympathetic to what black folks are actually going through. So uh, I have a guest on the line right now. She's been here before and uh, she actually just spoke out at a recent event. And I want to welcome her back to speak to us about what her experiences was. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, LSU track and field athlete, Ms. Journey Woodward. Journey, are you there? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on uh, the pod. The pod, <laughs> how are you doing? It's been a minute, hasn't it? Yes, it's been a minute. Um, a lot has transpired <laughs> between uh, the time we last spoke, uh, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, it's very huh. unfortunate. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to spoil the lead too much with uh, what I want to talk to you about, but uh, you have had your moment in the, uh, in the spotlight behind the bullhorn, if you will. Um, what can you tell us about 
how all of these recent events, you know, you can start as far back as coronavirus journey. I mean, we've had coronavirus sheltering in place, distance learning, school shut down, economy shut down, unemployment rate, and then you bring in Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and Ahmaud Arbery. Um, how, in what way has this impacted you as a young lady uh, attending school down at LSU? Uh, so way back in March, when they canceled our the remainder of our, so they canceled our indoor national track meet, the NCAA indoor track championships. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, me as a 400 hurdler, yeah. my event is outdoors. So I never really got to open up. And yeah, that was just very crushing to me. Mm. Um, and leading up to these events, you know, in between then, it's just been shelter in place, you know, finishing up school. Um, yeah, it, it's been a doozy. It's taken a toll, Absolutely. definitely. Yeah. But yeah, it, um, man, it's, I mean, it's, it's right year off so much. I mean, you're going from junior to senior year, right? Or are you already in yes, your senior? Sir. Yeah. So, well, that, I'm in my senior year now, so I'm doing summer school at LSU. Oh, wow. So expectations going into that in the senior year, nobody expected this. And so here you are having to adjust to all of that. And um, I don't know, I mean, out in California journey, I mean, we weren't really used to that. Just that was so much. Mm -hmm. The gravity of that was such a big adjustment. Graduations were canceled, proms were canceled. And like you said, your events were canceled. And so mm -hmm. we have so many aspirations going into our senior year. And then you add all of these uh, law enforcement issues. Um, yeah. How would you describe how the law enforcement piece of where we are right now impacted your journey, literally your journey, uh, as you were dealing with coronavirus down there at LSU? Well, there's been an, uh, from what I've seen, there's been an influx of, you know, just trying to hold the shelter in place. Uh, there wasn't really even much of a curfew, but even just driving down the streets, you would hardly see anyone, you yeah. know, especially at the beginning stages of this. And uh, there was a lot more of monitor, monitorization. Yeah. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, campus security, you know, was circulating more. Usually you don't see them. They're pretty good at, you know, staying out of sight mm -hmm. <laughs> and only arriving when they need to, you know. But Absolutely. pretty soon everyone left campus, uh, students, you know, and uh, some faculty as well, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, only reason we... Uh, me and my roommate and, you know, a few other athletes stayed was because we were trying to finish school or maybe they lived in Banners already, had their apartment, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. So that that's an interesting take. So I, I forgot about that piece because flashing through the news cycle also recently were those two students in Atlanta who were snatched out of their vehicles while they were leaving a protest. And so mm -hmm. you being a student who elected to stay on your campus uh, in what way did that uh, event resonate with you and your fellow uh, residents at LSU? It, um, the, the thing is, Rome, and I'm really beating myself up about this now, is that okay. I've always had this mentality of keeping my head down and focusing on the next step for me. Mm. And that's why it was so important after, like, the protests and after the protests and even leading up to the protests that I spoke at mm -hmm. was to get myself educated on mm. the world around me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause like, you know, I'm a young lady, I'm 20 years old right. going into 21 this year, mm -hmm. but you know, I'm 21 years old and a lot of the stuff that I had experienced um, from uh peers and from you know strangers and from police yeah. in my small town of vacaville california mm -hmm. um i've repressed from my childhood and these situations have forced me to really open my eyes and mm. look and mm -hmm. see and mm -hmm. feel mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. Up until you said it, I really hadn't even heard of that, you know. Yeah. But yeah. just thinking that that could happen to me, and I'm not educated, and I'm not 
paying attention scares me, mm. you know? Well, I had a scary moment this past week I, I'm going to tell you about because okay. when I was hearing about these uh, black men being found hanging in trees and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it harking back, harkening back to Emmett Till and all those things that we've heard about, yeah. and may have seen those horrific images in textbooks or just reading books and knowing that this is modern day 2020 uh, journey, it really scared me. And I don't get scared. I don't get scared. It, it angered me. (laughs) And you don't get scared. I don't get scared. Generally I'm I'm from, I'm from LA. Okay. We we don't play, you know, we'll go upside somebody's head and walk away and Mm -hmm. somebody brings it to us. If they start it, we'll finish it. That's just how it is. But I have mm-hmm. never experienced that kind of vitriolic, virulent hatred in modern day 2020 to where the possibility of that being me uh, suddenly became an imminent reality. The possibility just was, you know, it was it was staggering to me because I was reacting to it and reacting to it in such a visceral way to where I was never unafraid to leave the house, but I was very cautious about going for a walk by myself. And that's something that I've never hesitated to do. So mm-hmm. I had to literally walk myself through that. So when you say uh, what scares you, uh, that's something that scared me because I was not expecting to experience an emotion like that based upon a news story like that in 2020. Yeah. Okay? So the, the fear that you experience, um, I, oh man, I, I, I can connect uh, on that level. You know what I mean? And I think so many people are trying to catch up to the history and the historical um, benchmarks that kind of connect the dots between now and events similar to this in the past. And it's hard. It is so overwhelming to know where to start because mm-hmm. like, how did we get to this point is what a lot of people are asking. And why this one? Why did it take George Floyd for the whole world to galvanize behind Black Lives Matter and finally start to get it, you know? So when you've experienced the the George Floyd protests in particular, uh, you had a moment recently, and I'm assuming, well, tell us about what you did recently when you courageously went up and spoke in front of a large group of people to share your feelings and sentiments about uh, what this time period and what impact it was having on you and your fellow track and field teammates. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I I think one of, I, I believe that everything has a time. Mm-hmm. And even though these horrible, horrible, sickening murders have been happening for unfortunately a freaking long time, Mm-hmm. what COVID has done to us is kept us at home, yeah. kept us well, quote unquote bored, you know, mm-hmm. not much to do, but yeah. sit back and pay attention, open our eyes, open our ears mm-hmm. and listen right. about what's going on. We mm-hmm. can't, we can no longer move on with our normal lives, mm-hmm. our quote unquote normal lives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And, and it, it has forced us to realize that some of the stuff that's happening is not normal. Mm. It, it shouldn't be, you right. know? Right. And there comes with that desensitization, you know, where you become no longer sensitive. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All these big words, yep. not at the source. <laughs> but, exactly. And so that's what really rocked me and made me think about, am I part of the problem? Oh, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, Mm-hmm. Leading up to speaking, um, oh my gosh, I it was I was I was trying to focus on you know my me as an individual first mm-hmm. and how I was taking all of this in, mm-hmm. you know it it was a surge of energy I've never felt mm-hmm. I, I I was like this is different it feels different a lot of people have said that as well the, the people I talked to at least. Mm-hmm. And when I was just taking all this in by myself, um, I'm not going to name names, but one of my teammates reached out to our women's track and field sprints group chat um, over the phone, you know, and just texted, had, 
had anybody heard from our, our head coach, coach Dennis Shaver. And, you know, they were talking back and forth about how they hadn't heard anything them personally. And I sat back and I was like, Oh, we haven't heard anything. It hadn't even crossed my mind, Mm. you know? And Mm. that's the, that's the thing I need to be more mindful and, and cognitive about. Um, mm-hmm. But it was brought to my attention in that moment. And social media is a big part of our lives now, especially as, you know, Gen Z, as the younger generation, all that. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading the other people's stories, hearing what they had to say, you know, mm-hmm. them talking about, you know, silence is violence that's where that (laughs) that chance started coming up right and i was thinking or a quote i had heard was if you're if you're not speaking or if you're not holding your authority capable or responsible you know if you're not paying attention or trying to advocate for any kind of change, Mm. you're part of the problem. Right. Mm. And I sat back and I was like, you know, I am, I was very vocal on social media about this. Um, after I got myself educated, of course, but Mm. I, I was like, how can I sit here and advocate for change? But then I go back to LSU and I run for, a man, this is in present tense, uh, this is in past tense, right. but you know, I run for a man who didn't speak out at all. Mm. Like, am, am I going backwards? Did I, did I ever really move? You mm. know, was there any real change? But mm. what does that look like in other people's eyes? If they're like, okay, journey advocated for change, but she's just right back at LSU where her mm. coaches head coach didn't say anything. Yeah. And I had a real moment of introspection and I I was washing the dishes because that's how I clear my head. <laughs> and right. I looked to my aunt and I was like, you know, I, I explained to her about what was going on, what was going through my head. And I was like, does that make me part of the problem? Mm. You know, and she asked me what my relationship to Shaver was. Mm-hmm. And I had said, you know, he's always been kind to me. I feel like I can go to him. I've never felt anything but support from this man. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I think you should email him, you know, or call him, whatever you want to do, but to get your point across, because mm-hmm. this is a conversation you need to have. Mm-hmm. And so right then and there, I was going to send an email, but I decided that I wanted to take a night, pray on it sleep on it and come to a level-headed decision in the morning Mm -hmm. and so that's what I did and the next morning I woke up to coach Shaver calling me on my phone Mm -hmm. and I'm 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 very spiritual spiritual person so I believe in signs and I was like wow this is a sign if I ever saw one Mm because I just literally prayed on it Mm -hmm. and so it didn't matter what he had said. I picked up, of course, but it didn't matter what he had said to me over the phone. All that mattered was that he called mm-hmm. and he reached out. Yes. And the one thing I took from our conversation was he told me, you're a leader on this team and I'm expecting you to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And so we went, my family and I, we went to the protest mm-hmm. and I was, I felt so empowered walking next to all of these people who believed in the same thing I did, you know, mm-hmm. and not all of them looked like me, you know, we were just a whole entire group of people walking together, chanting, uh, one girl had sage, which I thought was hilarious, you know, cause she was, <laughs> she was trying to do peace in the streets. Jeez. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. And when we got to the Hayward police department, I, I didn't know that they were even, I thought it was just a March, you know, but Mm -hmm. they set up a a place right in front of the police department and held up a bullhorn and said, would anyone like to come speak? And I immediately felt the jump, like the urge to go speak. 
but I held back because I was like, I'm not even sure what I want to say, but I felt this push to speak. Mm -hmm. And so I just sat back and I watched other people go up and share their stories. Mm -hmm. And I find people and stories so interesting Mm -hmm. because no matter where you're from, no matter what your story is, we're all here together. And so when I, I thought at first, like I, I, when I finally got the nerve, I was like, okay, I'm going to go speak because I hadn't seen anyone that looks like me go up, you know, mm-hmm. anyone who's a 20 year old, anyone who's a college athlete, no one who's in uh, maybe like a collegiate athlete like I am. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't see anyone like me going up to speak and, and, possibly share the story of I mean not my exact story but you know a story like mine Mm -hmm. um possibly and so I thought I had missed my chance uh because I saw the guy with the bullhorn you know walking away but he held it up one last time and said would anyone like to speak and that's when I was like I'm meant to go up there this is my chance I'm going up there and I'm speaking wow because he didn't have to stop again he could have just walked away Mm -hmm. you know Wow. So but, a little context. Yeah, yeah. This is Hayward, California, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So that's a demographically somewhat diverse area, ladies and gentlemen, 42% white, 10 or 11% African-American. Uh, they have a 34% uh, Latino population. So when you say that nobody had went up to the uh, megaphone prior to you, uh, mm-hmm. I just want to give the audience a little context. That's the demographic that you're basically dealing with in uh, Hayward, California. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, wait, did you say no one went up prior to me? That looked like you. Yeah, yeah, that looked Your like experience. me. Your mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh my gosh. I, I, When I was walking towards the microphone, it felt like I was walking towards the start of the 400 meter hurdle race, exactly like that. Wow. It, it felt like, I was now that I'm here, I'm here. I'm on autopilot. I'm I'm just walking, not mm. making real any eye contact until I go up there and I stood on the one of the pillars and mm. spoke to my audience. Mm. Because just like I'm walking down for a race, if I look at the crowd too much, if I overthink, I'll lose my nerve. Okay. And you don't ever want to do that because your your body is preparing for you to focus. Mm-hmm. And So I knew the story that I wanted to share. I wanted to share the beginning and the middle to the story of where I was. So the past and the present. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. Mm. Um, It, it seemed that I did, I wasn't expecting my words to resonate with people, but when I started speaking, I felt this surge of support from everyone in the crowd. As I started looking, I realized that I did see young faces like mine and mm-hmm. they were, they were just staring up at me as I was talking. And I was like, I don't know if my words are getting through to you, but hear me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And after I spoke, and after we started walking back to City Hall from the Hayward Police Department, uh, a lot of people came up, or a few people came up to me and, you know, thanked me for speaking, gave me hugs. Um, I gave them back, even though COVID, you know, because I'm a hugger. Awesome. And, <laughs> and, you know, I, I got to hear a few more stories, you know, in those short span, spans of, like, a minute that we were walking back to city hall mm-hmm. and I, I got home after I felt so drained and my aunt uh, sent me a video, which I didn't even know she was taking. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that that it ended there. I was just speaking to my community, mm-hmm. um, the community I'm a part of. And that was it. If it resonated with a few people, then that's all I wanted it to do. You know? like their stories have resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, even after the protests, you know, people found me on social media and because I introduced, you know, my full name and the school I go to and, you know, they were reaching out and they were like, Hey, uh, I didn't get to see you at the protest, but just want to say like your words really forced me to 
talk to my coach, you know? And yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Another yeah. athlete. I mean, um, she was a, a white girl. But I was like, this athlete reached out to her coaches t- for accountability. I was like, wow. Mm. If I can touch people in my community like that, mm-hmm. then I can touch people in other communities like that. Wow. And so uh proof the video with uh, me and my aunt, but I decided to post it to social media. That was a big deal to me, man. Cause Absolutely. I, I was I was like, oh, people can hate it and love it. Hate yeah. it or love it, you know? Um, and let, let me jump in real quick. This is a journey, yeah. world, ladies and gentlemen. This is a KCWG, the truth.com's program. It's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. Uh, journey sharing her story about her speaking out uh, during the midst of uh, all these protests uh, with George Floyd. Uh, she recently spoke out in uh, urgent fashion to, to gain the, uh, w- what can I say? I mean, you, you, you spoke about accountability. And that's the word that jumped out to me. You had a chance to look back at that video. Like you said, you did not know you were being recorded by your aunt, <laughs> Miss McLean. You did not know. Yes. And so in hindsight, looking back at it and his words to you was, well, I see you as a leader of this team and I expect you to be a leader. Um, and this was during your conversation after a period of time had uh, transpired where you did not hear from him. and. Mm-hmm. The, the ensuing effects of that was, you know, in hindsight, hurtful. I mean, is that a fair way to capture what, what that yes, looked like for you? Yes, sir. Hurtful. Hurtful. Okay. When he said the words that he expects you to be a leader. Now, me, uh, and again, uh, the, the, the contents of your conversation with him, I, I, I like how you're keeping that private because it's none of our business. But <laughs> you, you did share that part of it. What was it like to hear his expectation of you during a moment like this where we're dealing with so much adversity, coronavirus that is disproportionately impacted black folks? And all of these protests are about the the lack of humanity being shown for black bodies and black lives. And Mm -hmm. what was, can you talk to me about that reality when you're you're sitting with someone who you've had a lot of respect for and, and continue to? and the the expectation that he espoused upon you um can you tell us what that felt like as you were speaking on the megaphone yeah um so i'm gonna uh go back to the moment where he told me to be a leader because uh it's very important and it plays into it Mm -hmm. so when he told me to be a leader i was thinking very short term man i was like okay typical you know you're senior um, you're a very hard worker, uh, and you know the girls on the team look up to you, and that was most likely the context he was speaking in. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I can, a- as much as you know, leaders are needed on teams. Mm-hmm. Everyone at the end of the day is going to go in and do what's best for them. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, our track, our women's track and field sprint team, at least, are a group of uh, words. They're they're a group of mm-hmm. tough individuals, mm-hmm. and the part part of the reason why I don't really believe that there is um, leadership in the traditional form needed there. It's because mm-hmm. everyone knows what's best for them. And go. regardless, they're going to do what's best for them. Mm-hmm. And I completely support that. I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so when he had said that, I was thinking very short term in that context. And I was like, you know, I can try to lead in the way he, he thinks it should be done. But I don't think traditional form of leadership is going to uh, work for this team, this group of individuals. No one wants to be alone and nobody wants to do anything to set, well, not most of everyone, I can't speak on for everyone, but not most of everyone wants to be set apart and seen from the norm. That's right. And 
I, I, I don't know. Once upon a time, maybe I was like that, but especially in this moment, mm-hmm. I was not, I, I was becoming what Shaver told me to be, which was a leader. Someone has to step, someone has to be the first. Someone has to step up. Someone has to speak from a place of passion in front of the Hayward Police Department with a megaphone, you know? And I posted that video on social media and I immediately knew that there was going to be backlash, that the video was going to resonate with other people, whether it was good or bad to them. Mm-hmm. And they were going to have stuff to say. Um, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> mm. um, I've had to recalibrate some friendships um, and some relationships wow. that yes. I've had with other people mm. because of their reactions to the video. Really? Um, but what was most important was the conversation that we had after with the coaching staff. So immediately the next day after I posted the video, <laughs> uh, I was so drained, mm-hmm. Mr. Rome. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, but uh, the next day, our coaching staff, the coach shaver and uh, our director of ops, Andrea, threw together, not, they didn't throw it together, but they planned a Zoom meeting between uh, the women's sprints team. You know, um, I got to hear some other, like my, my teammates, views upon the video i got to hear the coach coaching staff's views on the video and Mm -hmm. in the in that meeting coach shaver had said you know he watched the video and you know the words that i had said had hurt him but they resonated Mm. and he wanted to start this conversation that Mm. was all i was trying to do was to start a conversation and so you know i talked to a few of like our other coach, I talked to the coaching staff, you know, mm-hmm. uh, individually as well as like in the meeting, but mm-hmm. there was nothing but, uh, and I feel like I can speak on this uh, for them, but there was nothing but respect mm-hmm. and support. Mm-hmm. Even dare I say it, a little bit of love. <laughs> but say it. Mm-hmm. And that was all I, that's all I really need. I need to know from, my people in charge how they felt about the video and what they're going to do going forward those were important factors to me so everything that happens outside of that brush it aside it doesn't affect me i said what i said i i still feel the way that i said it Mm -hmm. although if i could rehearse it go back to that moment and i would say it a little bit differently with less curse words and Mm -hmm. more of a structure (laughs) but in a polished way, of course, but it wasn't rehearsed. It was from a place of passion. It was raw. Mm. And, uh, I, I cried in front of a whole community. Like I I don't really cry that easily, but Mm -hmm. Hey, here I was holding a megaphone crying in front of my community. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I had said that prayer, uh, initially before everything went down, Hey, I, the gods, God, the universe, whatever you believe in, mm-hmm. whoever's watching over me, they, they listened. Mm. And now I'm here. That's you right. Know? That's right. Wow. Well, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And we're joined this evening by the incomparable Journey Woodward, LSU track and field athlete, scholar, uh, community activist, apparently. <laughs> and, <laughs> Just an amazing, eloquent spokesperson for this uh, social time that we're in right now. Wow. Um, that's quite a harrowing experience. And yeah. I, I just tip my hat because those tears you shed that day, I felt you, you were crying for me and crying mm-hmm. for so many people that were experiencing the same exact visceral feelings. We were hurting so, so bad. And really quick i want to take you back to the speech one more time because there was a very just a searing moment when you said how could i go back and run for a man and then you said run n-word run run nigga run Mm -hmm. 
And after he had had a conversation with you, extending his expectation and this notion that, okay, I know you're hurting. Um, here's the thing, because I don't want to paint this for you, Journey, because you're, you're telling this story where, way better than I could. But as I've been talking to people during this time and doing mental health and having safe space meetings and co-facilitating and facilitating many discussions like this, what we're experiencing is a sense of they don't understand how hard this is for Black folks to the point where so many of us, and this is what I said at the beginning when I'm like, I'm wondering to what degree Journey realizes how much she's speaking to us and for us and on our behalf in a moment like that, because so many of us are getting dismissive, tone deaf, whether it's intentional or not, okay? Mm -hmm. But the, the net effect is that they're getting dismissive, tone deaf, and dismissive commentary in our white workspaces or in our common brown workspaces where we have to go back as black people into these environments and somehow function as if none of this is supposed to be debilitating. You said more than once since I've been talking to you right now, when you did that, after you did it, you were drained, drained. Mm -hmm. You know, ladies and gentlemen, do, do you know what it feels like to be drained? I mean, that means you emptied the tank. That means you gunned the engine as hard as you could. You are depleted. There's absolutely zero left. That's called, as a boxer, you leave it in the ring. As a basketball player, you leave it all on the court. You got nothing left. I mean, you are done. D-U-N-N, done. So <laughs> that's where Black folks are. And so as I was watching you, Journey, have that moment I couldn't help but think about my own experience with, you know, people in my respective environment and all the people that have to go back as black people to interact with people that they do care for, they do love. And knowing that either they have not heard from those people or when they do, the elephant in the room is never addressed. Mm -hmm. Either because they don't, see it, they don't understand it, or they don't know what to say. And that is frustrating. And so, so many of us are just tired, Journey. We're depleted because we're tired of trying to explain it. We're tired of people right. asking us, what should they do in a moment like this? As if we are the, the cure-all fix-alls for a moment like this that, you know, Black folks didn't create. So, you speaking in a moment like that was so powerful. And I am so proud of you and I'm inspired by you. When you think about returning, and we, we have a few more minutes and I'm gonna let you go. You're, you're being so generous with your time. Thank you. When you- Thank you for having it, me. So no, 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 seriously, you, you're, you're being so, you know, so, so wise in a moment like this, it's, it's just crazy. But when you envision going back into uh, LSU right now and returning to your team structure and, quote unquote, business as usual to the degree that that's even going to be possible now. Uh, in what ways do you envision that in lieu of having that video surface now, in lieu of having to reconfigure friendships, whether they've lost or they see you differently now? Uh, what is your vision now today uh, going back into that environment as an athlete attending LSU? <sighs> Deep sigh. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. um, hey, one thing that I've talked about with a few teammates of mine and, a, you know, a few teammates on other sporting teams at LSU, um, one thing we've talked about is how we don't want this narrative to get pushed to the wayside. And so we have formed uh, the Black Student Athlete Association, the BSAA that we are planning to configure so that generations later, student athletes um, are able to have a place and a space that is safe and where they feel known. That is our goal. Mm -hmm. As far as it is, you know, we are LSU, 
student athletes, hopefully, uh, for -hmm. four years. Mm -hmm. But once I take the the jersey off, once I take off my uniform, once I take off my gear, I am a black woman. Come on. No, no matter, no, no matter what I wear, mm-hmm. I am still a black woman. Although in my community in in Baton Rouge, if I have LSU on my back, they'll they're fans. They they support. Mm-hmm. They're they they love us right. because we represent their university. Right. And and so. And I think that's what the frustration is, because there's a resentment that we feel so transactional to them sometimes that we, we feel like tools. I'm not speaking for you, but just generally, mm-hmm. we, yeah. we feel like we're no, a, that's function, it. a function of their entertainment and nothing more. And so, like, you choose to put that uniform on, but you can't choose this melanin, right? There's no escaping that. So you're absolutely right. right. You're absolutely right. Go ahead. Uh, and... I have one more year left here. It's not like I have to deal with the um, negative onslaught for three more years of my life. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and, you know, even if I do have to, do, I mean, the, the, at the end of the day, I, um, Sorry, there's there's a dog in the background, so I'm kind of I'm ADHD, so I'm there, easily distracted. My bad. I always want to be a part <sighs> of the conversation, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, Give me attention, ah. Right. <laughs> but uh, it's called dog. That <laughs> 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 I'm gonna use that all the time now. Right. Uh, <laughs> but when. One more year mm-hmm. before any of this ever happened, I said that I want to go into my senior year having fun. Right. I I don't want to make this a, a drain. And, you know, I've dealt with depression and loneliness and sadness. Like every, I feel like every adolescent goes through. Mm-hmm. But, and these, man, these past few years have been a freaking... Ooh drag and you know you you know my story mr rome i do do. and regardless of everything that i've been through in life including this i'm going to go into my last year with my intention which is to have fun Mm. and you know the people who don't necessarily agree with what i said Mm-hmm. that's their opinion that's their belief mm-hmm. we don't have to be friends just because right. just because we're in the same proximity we don't have to be friends nor does that just make us friends automatically right. not everyone's personality gets along together and it's true. i believe in what i believe in if mm-hmm. they don't like that then you know as long as <laughs> As long as you're not shoving it in my face every every day, mm-hmm. then we can coexist peacefully, you That's know? Right. Um, That's right. Especially when I go to work out, you know, we, we're training partners, like we're in the same group. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as that, you know, we're just still waiting for answers as far as COVID. This is, right. there. there's so many things thrown up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we got the SEC and NCAA trying to push for a season uh, for our, our sports. Mm-hmm. But the thing that <laughs> the thing no one's looking at is COVID is still looming over us all. Ew. It is. Yes. It is this tsunami that is, or at least um, I heard someone describe it as like a rising flood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, okay, uh, the water is still trickling. That's right. And soon it's going to reach our chins and, you mm. know, but we're, you know, uh, people are pressing for the economy to get back up and right. get back so desperate to get back to our normal lives mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or what would constitute as <laughs> constitute as normal. Gotcha. And yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, exactly yours uh, because 
there there is so much we never completely flatten the curve from coronavirus you're absolutely right and mm -hmm. the occupant of the white house just held a rally over the weekend in tulsa it fell flat because people realize that we're, we're not out of this and mm -hmm. it, it's incumbent upon us to do what we can to meet this moment at the level that it requires and i have to say journey you not only met that level you exceeded it you exceeded it because so many of us are going to be facing that same exact moment of truth to where they're going to have their own megaphone moment, whether literally or figuratively, and they're going to have to respond. And they're going to have to be very clear about what side they're standing on because contrary to what that Fox News commentator said, Laura Ingram, when she said mm -hmm. LeBron James needs to just shut up and dribble. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, this is not a shut up and dribble moment. And if they think that's what it is, they got another thing coming. We're, we're not gonna be quiet because at the end of the day, like you said, this inter that, that uniform, that jersey, that logo, that can come on and off you at your will. But this black skin is permanent and I wear it proudly and we wear it proudly. Mm -hmm. We are gonna fight this because we're not here to play. We're not backing down. This is not mm -hmm. okay. And we're gonna stand up and if you defy our logic <laughs> and mm -hmm. if you try to distort our words and reasoning, just like you said a moment ago, Journey, look, I said what I said. I said what I said. Don't try to gaslight what we're saying and minimize mm -hmm. it because this moment requires that either you wake up and stop being so tone deaf or just mm -hmm. get out of our way and stay out of our way. We got this. You we're, know, we're going to love on our people. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, okay. um, but you know what I've had some people try to do? <laughs> they 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 told me <laughs> they told me that uh i'm not gonna do any specifics here uh mm -hmm. but they told me that i've said certain things in my videos that give them a bad look or a bad perception on shaper and i'm like oh well maybe i missed something that, that's you know, I'm like, I, mm -hmm. I give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I did miss something. I went back. It's hard for me to go back and watch, mm -hmm. even if it's me racing. You know, it's it's hard mm -hmm. for me to go back and watch those things. I'm, I'm my own worst critic, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But I went back and I watched the video and I was like, you know, I was taking notes. I was like, OK, I, like I said, this at this point, that debunks your argument. I said this mm -hmm. at that point, that debunks your argument. So I was like. I think you weren't listening <laughs> and that's the, that's the fact you just, you, you took one part of what I said, That's right. one part and you ran with it. That's right. You weren't listening that I was telling a story That's right. past to present. Yes. And although things have changed, you know, mm -hmm. one day later, mm -hmm. you know, you just, you weren't listening. I, I didn't have a chance to tell the end in the present. You want to know why? Because that was the end at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, it, yeah, that whole gaslighting thing, I was like, no, I'm not, not stupid. I know I what I said. I what and I said. never, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I would, my intention was never to go up there and bash one person. My intention was to bring attention to their actions. And not to make this about race, but was this an African-American that said this was a bad look on him? Maybe it was because mm -hmm. the, every brother ain't a brother in every scenario. <laughs> I mean, they might be well-intentioned, but here's the thing. It's like, we can't afford it from none of us. Okay. Yeah. Our truth is our truth. And in a moment like this, where we are, the world is screaming out for accountability for people who keep constantly escaping accountability. We're tired because people who are supposed to be leaders, are not holding the right people accountable, but they're quick to want to police you. They're quick to want to police mm -hmm. me. They're quick to want to call these expectations for us to be leaders and be responsible and be this and that, but they're not doing it or demonstrating it themselves. They're trying to hold us to a standard that they themselves want to adhere to. So we're tired of that. And we're tired of trying to explain and re-explain. So some of us, <laughs> Journey, we're done. We're done doing <laughs> We're done because yeah. they, they, they gonna do what they gonna do. They're gonna gaslight and they're gonna play this game. We not playing with them. We're done with that. So mm -hmm. they're gonna have to decide uh, what they're gonna do because we're gonna dictate the terms of our relationship from this point forward. And my terms say, 
we're going to love on our people. We're going to love on black people. We're going to love on all people that are oppressed by this law enforcement system. And we're going to mm -hmm. fight. We're going to fight yes, with our vote in November. We're going to stand up like you did. And we're going to carry on as best we can. But we're not playing the game. What we said is what we said. We can't be any more eloquent and articulate than what we've been already or clear. Okay. There was or nothing clear. hateful or uh, there was nothing in terms of a character assassination that I saw in that speech. So if someone feels that way, uh, God bless them. Go, go have, tell them to go take a walk. But you said what you yeah. said. You were speaking your truth. And that's what we have to do in a moment like this. I am very proud of you. And I'm very inspired by you because you're helping me, believe it or not. You're helping me, somebody much older who is experiencing this on a level similar to, to what you are, but there's a different level of exhaustion and you, you kind of have to have empathy for someone wherever they are in their story, in their life story, because some people have more tolerance for this than others. And some of us are just fed the heck up. <laughs> mm -hmm. I've seen like, both. Right? That's crazy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's okay that, where you are. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that just goes to show you <laughs> that just goes to show you further that it's not uh, an ethnicity thing. It's a it's a people thing. There you go. You know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. There you go. Because we, we have to, it, this is about accountability, nothing else. This is accountability. People are out in those streets right now because of a lack of accountability. And they keep wanting to criminalize people when they are murdered and killed without resisting arrest while they're unarmed. And they are, yeah. for all intents and purposes, subdued. So you got them. So why do you have to go so far? Okay. Yeah. That's why people, people are getting... Mm -hmm. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying, people getting lynched, people getting yes. kidnapped, people like I'm. Did, I I feel like I'm like I I feel like I've taken my stupid rose colored glasses off. Never that they were always you know super rose colored, but you know mm -hmm. all this mm -hmm. stuff that I've just pushed to the back of my head, you know, and that has to do with you know the environment that I was raised in, you know, mm -hmm. but. Mm -hmm. You know, just it's not a bubble. This is yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, this is the world that we live in. Well, there are so many of us that are in that boat and on that team journey because some of us just didn't know how how deep this was, and we can't be faulted for that. I mean, there, this was just a perfect storm coronavirus, distance learning, sheltering in place. I mean, everybody was still in quiet and everybody, not everybody, but many people were working from home if they were working, if they didn't lose their job outright. So people had a gang of time on their hand, okay? Yeah, there are no accidents. There are no, there are no accidents. People couldn't distract themselves. They couldn't look away from this if they wanted to. And so, yes, it did lay bare the realities and inequities that exist in this country when it comes to policing black folks. It is real and it's not something that we made up and we see that they blatantly lie to justify what they do and people are seeing that and it's, it's occurring over and over again. And yes, it does create a feeling of just utter disgust and sickness and frustration with ourselves sometimes that we didn't mm -hmm. see this before now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? But there, there's, there's reasons for this and it's, it's, it's okay and I'm so glad to hear you say it because there, there's a lot of people that are going to be able to resonate with what you just said. That same feeling, that same frustration of, you know, at what point did I put these rose colored glasses on and why did I allow them to stay on so long? People, it's hard not mm -hmm. to be hard on ourselves in a moment like this. It's really hard not to be hard on ourselves in a moment like yeah. this. But we didn't know what we didn't know. And you can call that, um, you know, ignorance is not a, a derogative or a pejorative. It just means you didn't know, a lack of awareness, lack of knowledge. That's not our fault, okay? Yeah. People are supposed to be held accountable when they mess up, just like you do. When, when they mess up. Yeah, yeah when they mess when up. They, when they blatantly F up. Yes. <laughs> 
you're supposed to be held accountable for that. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, we wouldn't be in this moment if they had just shot George Floyd. If they had just shot him, it would have been over quick and it would have been a little bit more merciful for the lack of a better term. But they kneeled mm-hmm. on him for eight minutes and 46 seconds, just emphasizing the cruelty and utter hatred and disregard for the humanity of that man and for the humanity of the people that look like him. That's what's so disgusting about it. And that's what shocked the very conscience of the entire world that has a heart. And they suddenly realize it's like, oh, it is this bad. Black people have not been exaggerating about this. Okay. Uh-huh. But, but it took a moment like this. And it's, it's, it's sad that it had to be George Floyd. Good brother, you know? Yeah. Good brother. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense that we feel uh, so many different things right now because it's like you it's kind of like the world is waking up and screaming it's like where have i been all this time yeah issues i've been hearing about it but what have i done and so those are reasonable questions but i caution people about being too hard on themselves because if you're talking about this right now you're one of the good guys you're you're one of the good ones you're one of the ones that are going to use a moment like this to say okay i'm not going to hold myself to the same standard of what I know now compared to what I didn't know and act on before. You know, when you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. And so when people re- reach a juncture like that, that's personal accountability. So in my mind, that puts you millions of levels above the people that keep constantly escaping accountability. There's no contest. So yeah. you are not like them. Those rose-colored glasses were there for a reason. If they were there in the first place, it means you, maybe you weren't ready and it's okay. It just means that you weren't there yet. People are at different steps of their life story and life journey. And so for you, those rose-colored glasses may be peeling back and that's okay. That's the moment that we're in. And you know what? It's okay. We're not mad at you. We forgive you. I just want people to be able to forgive themselves Okay, because you you did the best Mm -hmm. you could. You did the best you could with what you knew and with what you were given. You did the best you could. Because if you had known it was like this, you would have responded like you did now back then, if you had known, because that's who you are. You know what I'm saying? That's who you are. That's who we are. Anyway, (laughs) this is what- Your voice is so calming. Thank you. Oh, well, my goodness. So is yours. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You know, what you, you. you know what your family means to me. I mean, this, this has been so hard on so many black folks and I just really appreciate you uh, coming aboard. Uh, I better let you go. Uh, you have this wonderful vlog and this uh, amazing uh, uh, video channel on YouTube. Uh, what can you tell us about the best way to keep up with you and uh, follow your amazing work? So uh, I just recently finished my Tuesdays with Journey series on yes. YouTube which you could you can catch me on all social media at uh my name journey woodward uh yeah man uh, it's been a it's been a while it's been three years actually since wow. i started the series nice. um you know and i ended it for reasons that are personal to for me yeah. uh, which you can read about on instagram if you go look at me uh you spell but your yeah name? that's a, spell your first yeah. name j u r n e e Woodward. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, continued success to you, my friend. Uh, I am so proud of you. Love you dearly and your family. Uh, will you come back and join us again on Psychotic Bump School? Yeah. Sounds great. I, yeah. I look forward to my third time back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, you're you're a star here. Thanks now. again for yeah. Thanks again for having me on the show, Mr. Rome. I really appreciate it. We appreciate and thank you for your words and you know just tell me, you know your story and. Mm. You know, your words mean a lot to me. Thank you. And likewise. I carry them with me every day. I hope so. I hope so. And we carry you and your family in our hearts daily as well. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That's the incomparable Journey Woodward, y'all. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after this.